Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Fading Curiosity's deep dive on The Last of Us on HBO. So today's episode, we're going to be going over episode two, but we'll just do a kind of a quick recap of episode one's ending, like the last, I don't know, you know, five minutes. But basically, it was the first time of Joel and Ellie meeting. It ends on kind of a cliffhanger because uh, the Joel is confronted by the security guard that he was making deals with to to sneak in contraband and do smuggling operations and stuff like that. Um, ends up killing that guy. And then Tess scans Ellie and is like, hey, she's infected. And then because they had to move because of the situation, it's either they stay and get killed because they're doing something they shouldn't be. Or they leave their, I don't even know what the city's called, but uh, they leave and go take Ellie to where they've been tasked to take her, which is, I believe, other fireflies just outside the city to transfer her to wherever they need to take her. Um, and so that was the kind of major cliffhanger of the episode of, well, they've kind of just made a decision that they're going to take Ellie where she needs to go, um, even though she's an infected. Yeah, it was a cool place to end. Again, I feel like we touched on this a lot last time, that for everyone who played the game or kind of knows the story, you know where it's going, right? <laughs> so, um, which I felt like was a cool place to end. I know we touched on, like, we kind of wish they pushed the reveal of her, you know, being immune further. Um, but as this next episode started, I'm like, oh, okay, I kind of, I'm glad. They got right yeah. to it. You know what I mean? They they got they didn't beat around the bush, I guess. <laughs> yeah, and kind of moving into this episode, I actually wasn't anticipating the intro to this episode because it didn't really just dive right into the Ellie Joel story. It kind of gives more context around the early days of the infection again, which, again, like we were saying in the first episode, is some of this early stuff, this like world building, I guess you'd call it, didn't really happen like this is the kind of stuff and this is what i was thinking yesterday while i was watching it was this is the kind of stuff you normally get in video games it's like the audio log or the like notes you find in the world that you just kind of read but it's like those are for the lore people like the average gamer doesn't really spend a lot of time diving into these little tiny pockets of like well where did this infection come from unless you just really love it you know yeah. <laughs> like like that's right. for the super nerdy crowd <laughs> And But I just thought the way they opened this episode with the virus seemingly starting in Indonesia and bringing in a mycologist and just kind of doing the science-y, um, like how would people react to this? I just loved it. Like that's, that's the kind of stuff that I really like, um, adding nuance and context, at least like a scientific level to it, uh, rather than just being like, well, it's a zombie story and you just wave your hands and people just get infected and then you move on. <laughs> Was that piece in the game? No, not at least as far as I can tell. I don't mm -hmm. remember it being at all close to like that. I, I liked it. I liked that they put that in there. There's a part of me when that was happening, that was thinking, man, I hope they have kind of flashbacks like this throughout the whole show. <laughs> like I would love to see how everything slowly falls apart, even if it's sort of um, a parallel storyline to the main story. Like that'd be really cool. Yeah. I was almost thinking it would be cool to do like, which I'm getting ahead of myself, but, um, <laughs> like some sort of prequel series. Cause like that story sounds interesting. I'm just like when shit starts to hit the fan and they're like trying to figure it out. And you know what she says at the end of that sequence where she's like, we have to bomb the city. Dude. Um, <laughs> I was like, Oh my God. Like how heavy is that? That she's like, that's the only way. 
Yeah. Um, and I love I that she started. Her, act, her acting was fantastic. Like it was she just, had like the teacup and she's like, yeah. her hands are just going nuts. <laughs> Dude, it was so subtle, but so like emotional. I was like, oh shit. Like <laughs> imagine being the one to have to make that call. Like we have to kind of get rid of everyone. Um, I don't know. I feel like that story would be interesting. I, I feel like I'm sure after the success of this first season, they'll probably talk about that. <laughs> be like, well, what else can we do for this? You know? Yeah. Um, I mean, there's a lot they can do with this story, right? Because even though they're following Joel and Ellie, this is totally just theory crafting or just thinking outside the box. Like, what is the world of The Last of Us like? Like, we're following a story that's like just two people in America. And what it seems like is this virus spread around the world in no time at all. And so you basically had thousands or millions of Joel and Ellie stories happening in parallel over the last 20 years. So you could really pick any people, like any group of people trying to survive or trying to figure this out and probably tell a compelling story with the, this virus as a backdrop. Right. And you think like Craig Mazin with um, like his work on Chernobyl. Mm -hmm. I just feel like that story with that, how that opening scene was, you know, he would be able to tell a dope story just from what he's done before Dude, or something like Chernobyl, imagine, you know? So instead of just being a drama, but you do like the docudrama that Chernobyl is like, where you kind of have like, like news stories interspersed with like the actual character beats and stuff. And you're like, you, you get like this unfolding of the chaos, but then you get like the ground level chaos along with like the higher level reactionary stuff. I don't know. It would be kind of a cool That'd be experimental sick. style. Yeah. Totally spitballing here. I have no idea if this. <laughs> I loved it. I loved the whole. I totally second or third the whole feeling <laughs> where she's sitting there and running through her head what needs to happen, and then coming to the conclusion that you need to bomb everything. Yep. And it was like, I had I had two thoughts. One, I was like, awesome. <laughs> I was like, well done. Metal, nice right, Joe? Yeah, very metal. <laughs> and then the second thought was like, you should have said firebomb. <laughs> I'm like, I don't think most bombs, the bombs are just going to make rubble. You need things to burn. I don't know why that was the second thought. I was like, you need to actually burn everything. No, you're, you're actually right. So there's a lot of science in this, and we'll actually get into this with how, so there's one big change. I'll just do it now. Whatever, fuck it. Um, <laughs> so one big change from the game, and if you listen to the end of the episode, they go into more like behind the scenes stuff talked about a core change they made to the infected for the show that makes more sense to kind of ratchet up the tension which is in the game the infection spreads via spores and like clouds of it and they thought that the audience wasn't going to buy into that as much because as a game mechanic it makes sense because you can make certain rooms like underground rooms that have spores and more concentration of infected but like if you try to do that with outdoor environments it's like it's a harder to get the suspension of disbelief to say that people aren't just going to get spores at any point in the time and just everyone gets infected just because. And so they made the change or the adjustment to really leaning into the mycelium, which is kind of the underground network that the all funguses use, which is kind of like the wood wide web. If people have looked it up or heard of it before, but basically Mycelium is like these little fibers that connects all of the fungus together inside of a forest. And so they use that as the substrate. So if a person is infected and they're laying on the ground, they're still connected to all the other infected in the area. And so if you kill one that's on the ground, 
or make a noise on one, they can communicate with each other in that way. And so that's how you get zombie hordes attacking you in a, in a cooler way than just being loud noises. They're, they're connecting through their own internet effectively. Very, yeah. I remember hearing about this from Stamets, Paul Stamets. Yeah. Who's the mycologist. That, if anybody knows anything about mycology, <laughs> I don't know how many of you are out there, <laughs> but if you do, you probably heard of Paul Stamets. And I heard about him talking about that. That's how they'll interact. And there's this entire network built under, like not so far underneath the surface of any given forest. Pretty wild. It's very interesting. I'll have a link in the description. I've, I've done some digging into the wood wide web uh, stuff as I normally do with my weird interests. So I'll, I'll grab the link and throw it in the show notes for those interested. That um, is brilliant. What's came first, World Wide Web or Wood Wide? I think the world web was, okay. and then people just started trying to make inferences and be like, look, the, tr you know, the, the tree people got excited and they're like, look, the trees can communicate yeah. too. We have to protect the trees. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> yeah. I really like that change though. I thought it was, um, it was dope. They kind of like, I don't know, it reminded me of like roaches, the way they move. Ooh. You know what I mean? When they were looking down on them, they're all kind of like crawling over each other. Yeah. That was like on the overpass, right? Like right after they get out of the the main city area yeah it was like gross i don't know it's just i was like that's just gross it was like know. the unison where they all kind of like wake up and then they like kind of it, it felt kind of like ants like when you see the ants moving on the jungle floor and they're just all kind of do like it's like a synchronized dance almost right <laughs> that happened that happens after if i remember the sequence of the actual episode they have the initial scene with then after uh, that, they have, that's her waking up, right? Ellie waking up. Correct. And I loved how they did that. I loved how she woke up and they show her like stand, like laying in the grass and this kind of thing. And what they cut to after she has woken up is both of them. <laughs> They're Joel and I've heard Tess. 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 Tess yeah. And Tess. Stay just like, I'm going to kill you. Like staring her down, just watching her. They're all creepy. It's <laughs> not perfect. It felt like the, there was the only thing that was missing was like either a cage or like a piece piece of like plexiglass, so they could only like like watching an animal under observation was like the feeling I got. Yeah, very much. Uh, <laughs> under, yeah, under observation. Yeah, it worked. It was such a nice little piece of directing. I was like, oh, perfect. <laughs> it was. Dope. I also love that Bella Ramsey's character in this. Like, she plays Ellie. I think perfectly. Dude. <laughs> Yeah, from from the like rip, especially with her snarky attitude from the very beginning of this episode, because they're like discussing right in front of her, like, should we just kill her now? Like, what do we do? Like, Joel is totally not having it. Like, let's be clear here too. I think they're setting up Joel's character even more so than they did in the game, where mm -hmm. he's just kind of like the reluctant guy. He's like, I'm not getting attached to shit. Like, uh, like we ain't playing. <laughs> like, he's yeah. like, life sucks. I don't have any reason to like love anything anymore. Like you're going to have to take a blowtorch to my heart to figure this one out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think a hundred percent. I agree with you with uh, Bella Ramsey's acting, their banter, the writing with that, like how they all kind of their dynamics. I'm like, dude, this is just hilarious. <laughs> like, like the little one liners, like Ellie has a whole episode. Really? I'm just like, dude, she's so funny. <laughs> like, <laughs> Delivery was... is on point at every step of the way. Yeah. Yeah. And it feel it feels like the game. I know we keep saying that, but like 
I feel like this is really well done for both fans of the game of like these small parts. That's nothing really to do with the overall narrative, really. Um, just these little, like little tiny parts <laughs> where it's like, Oh dude, like this is how they would talk when you're just like traveling to the next objective or whatever, yeah. you know? Yeah. It's dope. That's a, that's a yeah. really good point. I think they did a fantastic job. I, I never played the game. I watched a bunch of like the clips and stuff. But I like, and I have a general sense of the whole storyline, how it goes and all this, but watching it as a, more like a viewer that, than a gamer, it works for me. And you can tell even in the way that they talk in the after show sequence where they're doing their special, you know, talk about the particular episode. I love that you can see that the creators loved the game that they like the content <laughs> it's, it's like it shows it shows that there's a care and reverence for the original work and that they're shepherding that into a new medium and they do it fantastically so far and i'm like oh this is what i'm talking about i want every time we keep making a reboot or you make <laughs> a, some remake of scooby-doo we fuck it all up <laughs> because i don't think that none of the writers the writers are all people who didn't want that goddamn job anyway. They don't care about the source material. <laughs> and some fucking exec said, I don't know, buy that IP. Maybe we can make money off of it. And then they just make a show they never fucking wanted to. And it comes out like shit. <laughs> and, then everyone wonders, and then everyone wonders why it's terrible. So right. Nobody wanted to make it in the first place. Right. And nobody wanted anything to do with it. And they're angry that they have to do this stupid job with this stupid yeah. TV show. And this is not that at all. It's the it's so refreshing. I'm like, oh, I don't have to be on guard watching the show, waiting for them to ruin something I like. I can yeah. actually relax and be like, okay, I trust my I trust myself in your hands, creators of the show. Yeah. That's really well put. And like I keep trying to not think about the game because I want it to look at it like its own separate thing. But I keep like being like, oh, that reminds me so much of this. Like, I can't help it, you know? Um, I'm almost jealous of people who didn't play it, you know? Yeah, because I want to, like, being surprised all over again. Like, me and you, Jordan, we know how this story ends effectively. And it's like, it's more of like, ooh, how are they going to do it? Instead of like, mm -hmm. oh, where is this going? Right. And part of, like, the fun of watching a story, or at least a show, unfold is like, ooh, what's going to happen next? Especially with the U HBO's magic and cliffhangers and like tying episodes together to make you be like damn it was only an hour like i want i could have sat through like another half hour that yeah 100%. <laughs> i know i caught myself being like damn i think it's over damn i think it's about to end <laughs> like, the hour isn't long enough you know absolutely not and it, i think too for me what what really when i think about these shows i try not to to be such a purist when when you're trying to um, translate a game to a movie or a movie to a game or vice versa, right? Like, I think you, it's okay for the creators to take liberty to translate it to the medium because it's very different in how the audience interacts with the content. I think that's like the, the thing that people yeah. miss that they say like, well, it has to be exactly the same. And I'm like, no, it doesn't have to be the same because how that audience engages with the material is very different when you tr cross the border, right? Like 
if you take a, a, a movie adaptation of, of a game or if you do a book or an, um, like a graphic novel adaptation, those people who like that content engage with the content in a different way. So you have to kind of meet the audiences where they are. And I think everything we've kind of said so far is like, this is what it feels like Naughty Dog and, and the team behind this have really done the homework to try and do of, of meeting the cinematic audience where they were instead of being like, well, you have to be a gamer to appreciate this. They're saying, no, let's make it appreciative for a cinematic audience first and then put in little tiny things that the gaming audience will also appreciate because they've, they've decided to stick with us because they love this world as much as we do. At least that's my impression. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I agree a hundred percent. I think you're, I think you're spot on. Um, and like, even down to, I think Joe, it was you who mentioned kind of, you were curious how the world would actually look like, like the aesthetics of it and like the greens and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I don't know what you thought, but kind of going off what Wenzel said, I feel like this episode, I feel like you kind of got that. Um, yeah. you can see like the overgrowth and I, I personally really love the color grading said so that like yellowish tint. It just made it feel like, I don't know, just like empty to me. It was just like, there's nothing <laughs> here. Like this once populated place, you know what I mean? It's now it's like decaying, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think they nailed it and right off what Wendell said for sure. Yeah, I liked a lot the, I liked a lot that when we were walking through the city, it wasn't like we were, we needed to be on guard the whole time because it allowed me to relax and appreciate the scenery. Mm, like, yeah. Wow. Like I could just watch this. It's strange because despite the fact that it's all in ruins and everything, it felt very majestic hmm. that you had these collapsed high rises and you could see birds like, you know, I don't know what you call it, a flock of birds going, like going through and everything and gave it this kind of arid or open, um, like depth to the whole world. Um, like you could almost scream and hear yourself echo all throughout this place. It was really cool to see, right, the overgrowth, to see a lot of it, to see the, I liked the, I liked that there was tension in the right places just going through the world mm. too. Like when they're yeah. going into, I think it was like a mall or it was a hotel, old hotel that was flooded on the mm -hmm. first floor. And like, they're walking through the, the water and you can't, it's opaque. The fact that the water was opaque, I thought was brilliant because they could have had it clear. You could have seen where the bottom was. It would, could have been whatever. But the whole time they were going through the water, I was like, something's going to jump out of the water. Something. <laughs> Dude, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I had the same thought too. And so did I. Was I like, yeah. This is the perfect. They're all going like, to die. This is it. <laughs> and so when Ellie bumps into the skeleton or whatever, I was like, oh, perfect. <laughs> I was like, oh, <laughs> yes. I was like, you knew exactly what you were doing. <laughs> and, and just her reaction too of like she this is the first time she's probably ever been in a hotel and she's like pretending like it's not a, an abandoned room and she's like i want your best suite and joel's just like oh my god what am i getting myself into he's you're like right. i have a kid now what the fuck <laughs> what do you say he was like you're a weird kid yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh man i love that whole part because i feel exactly what you're saying and then i love how ellie almost called it out or something they played with it where she was like, you know, brought up how she can't swim when like Joel started going in. She's like, oh shit, this is a problem. I can't swim. And he like sarcastically was like, well, that's okay. Cause it's like knee deep or something. 
And she's yeah, like, I don't know how I was supposed to know that. <laughs> I was just like, they just played with it perfectly. So it was like yeah. tension, stress, but like still lighthearted. Like, okay, let's just get over it, this, you know? It almost feels kind of like in, in like a grittier way, but like how Lord of the Rings, the fellowship, when they're like going on the road, like Joel feels like Aragorn and Ellie feels like one of the hobbits. And, and mm. like the banter between them is like they're care like she's carefree ish and Joel's like hardened by many years of just surviving, and it's like the juxtaposition between their two attitudes is mm. like is what makes it fun, in a sense. That's a great comparison. I didn't think of that. I literally just thought of it right now. So <laughs> that was not some genius <laughs> insight other than <laughs> in the moment here. <laughs> Oh, the best insights happen when you're talking with people, not alone. <laughs> See, <you're laughs> I, I like that. that <laughs> I like to second all the, there's, there's a piece there, like that point where Joel jumps into the water and it's knee deep. I, I, I loved that too, because I, it showed on the writer's part, a willingness to play in the world. And there, it wasn't like we were tied to a plot that just like, okay, what happens next? What happens next? And we're just moving through the story beats. It was like, you can take a moment and you can have fun with your characters. That's okay. You're allowed to do that. And it makes them more human, more likable, more understandable. And it makes the world more real because of course you're going to do something like that. <laughs> of course you're going to do it. Like, come on. <laughs> so it just, it fleshes out everything. I loved it. And I'm like, oh, this is, again, I felt again, like I was in good hands. Yeah. And then it's like, it even, it, it gets even more kind of real because it, like, I think right before this, they had like, either we go through the, the plate, like the way, the fast way or the dead way. Right. Like they're like, mm -hmm. either there's one way we die or there's one way we, we might not die effectively. Yeah. And that was the hotel. But then when they, they're like kind of confident it, or at least Tess feels confident about like this pathway. And then they get through, like they climb all the stairs. Cause obviously the elevator doesn't work anymore. And they're like, Jesus Christ, this sucks. Um, which I felt. <laughs> and, then, and then they're like, wait, what the hell? And the, basically the tunnel that they would go through is completely blocked or like crumbled in. And so Tess kind of climbs up there and like, I immediately got the sense again of like, Joel's like, no, don't leave me here with her. Mm. Like, I don't want to be here. Like, just that awkward kind of tension of, like, he doesn't know what to do with his hands kind of feeling. Like, he just kind of like, uh, I don't know how to, I don't want to do small talk. <laughs> yeah. He's doing everything in his power to keep an emotional distance between them. Yeah. I love, I love that you brought that up because to me, it kind of foreshadowed what was to come of, like, that awkwardness you see that he's just kind of, uh, she's asking him questions about himself and you can see when she starts getting close to his soft spot i forgot exactly what she asked him but she starts getting close and he's like okay pass pass hold up she did bring up like this is something i asked in the last episode i was like is they are they in like a relationship or something and we're like oh yes. we don't really know ellie directly says that she's like so you and tess and he's like pass <laughs> but i'm like oh okay cool they noticed it you know um even the characters in the story are, are trying to figure it out too. Like, right. the, I think that's important. Like it makes the characters feel real because mm -hmm. they're thinking the same thing the audience is thinking. Right. Like what's that dynamic there? And again, he being not really trying to get close to people. You know, we're as close as we need to be past. We're not going to talk about that. 
Yeah, that's cool. Um, and then I think from there, I think we start seeing the biggest shift in Tess. Because, like, we've kind of highlighted the fact that Joel is kind of checked out still. Like, he's like, this is just a job. I just want to get this done. I want to go find my brother. Like, this is, like, superficial or, like, a means to an end. Where now Tess is slowly starting to believe. Oh, I think I'm skipping ahead now that I think about it. They go to the museum. I think it's after the museum is when Tess starts to shift. Yeah. Though um, she she seems yeah. more of a um, more willing to be emotionally open yes. with Ellie. Yeah. She's more open to the idea of being hopeful. She's more open. Right. It, it's the fact that she's a little bit more open to the hopeful idea that <laughs> sucks for her later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. and I I don't know if it's like in the hotel scene or not, but like she's starting to ask questions about Ellie and trying to figure out like what she might represent and starting to believe the fact that she might actually not be or might have something to offer that's like a vaccine or a medicine or something related to stopping the infection or at least making it less of a threat. Um and then it's not until they get to the museum that I, or after the museum sequence, but we'll we can discuss the museum sequence first because this is the first time we get to see the more infected, which is really really important to cover. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, it's like you kind of see it. She seems, Joe. I think uses a perfect word like hopeful. You know, like there's this thing of hope, which is interesting because it seems like these are people that would have not much of that, and I feel like in some of their dialogue they kind of say that like we've seen this a hundred times someone you know this happened this new vaccine or something and it's never worked um but Tess is kind of like but this is different you know what i mean but like not really bought in at least to this point um and so it's it's interesting and then you know as they they're looking over the city right and you see all the the hundreds or however many infected kind of crawling over each other you know, and they're like, okay, we have to go the other way, the dangerous way. Or or maybe that's when they say, like, oh, well, there is a museum we can go through. Um, and it's like this determination that it seems like Joel's kind of always ready to be like, fuck it. <laughs> You're like, okay, whatever. <laughs> Guess we should go back. And she's like, no, 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 let's keep pushing on. Um, and so when you get to the museum, uh, first of all, that scene was dope. Mm. That was awesome. I love how they did that. Um, and how they introduced the new infected that were going to come. I really, really loved it because it was so subtle. Again, if you played the game, you the second they say, they're, um, Ellie makes a comment at like a dead body, right? She's like, this one looks different than the other ones. And Tess and Joel look at each other. They've already seen this, right? We touched on this already. They've been here, done that. They know what this is. And all they say is, I haven't heard anything. So again, if you played the game, you know what that means instantly when you see these new infected and kind of how they move and stuff. Um, and I'm sitting here geeking out, watching it with Alex. And I'm like, Oh fuck, I know what this is. And she's like, what? I'm like, no, you'll see, you'll know when you see it. <laughs> you know what I mean? And she's like, Oh wow. Uh, but I'm like, I just love how it's not like they didn't use a jump scare to introduce them. It's like really, again, like subtle things, but like, it's like leading up to it. So it's serving both new viewers and people who, are you know avid fans already i just love it yeah i totally agree with everything you said like that whole that whole clip i'm so happy you brought up the the dead body that's all torn up that doesn't look like a regular body 
and the way that they played that whole dialogue between everyone, where like immediately it's like Tess and Joel talking strategy. They're like, oh, fuck. And, and, and Ellie's like, what? And like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> and they're trying to like, oh, no. And it's, I like it because Joel, for Joel, immediately Ellie's a burden again. It's just like, mm. duh. And Tess is like trying to work, like think about the strategy and stuff. I loved it. And I, I didn't know what was coming exactly. So I'm just like, oh, this is going to be good. I'm just like, oh, yes, I love this. It's <laughs> like, tell me more, bring me in. I was like, I don't know why we have to shut up, but I'm shutting up. <laughs> You're like, I'm as much in the dark as Ellie is here. <laughs> I'm like, time to be quiet. Dude. And so I guess when we can just get right to it, the, the new infected they introduce are called uh, clickers. And um, they kind of do a, a good job of touching on it beforehand and saying like some infected, they typically die within a few months, but other ones live for years, which was interesting. I didn't even notice that from the game, but I was like, okay. So they're talking about the clickers and some of the other ones that we'll probably see. Um, but in this instance, they're talking about the clickers who are blind, right? They can't see anything, but they they move off uh, sound. Yeah, it's like echolocation like a bat. Yeah. Um, and when you see them, they're ugly. Like, <laughs> their Yeah, they have like all... fungal, fungal growths all over their face and stuff. Like, they barely look human. It, well, like, they're kind of human, but like, you could tell there's something seriously wrong. Like, without really <laughs> trying very hard. But I think the thing that really sells them is the way they move. The way they move is what makes them creepy. Um, and, and I think that's kind of what sets this apart from like your typical zombie um, story or like infected story because, you know, you kind of expect a certain thing from like your typical zombie. Whereas this one, they kind of really went out of their way to make it feel different. Um, and to kind of add some more context here. They actually found performers, like acrobatic type people. Uh, it, this was in the end of the episode when they highlighted it, but they found guys who loved the game and could mimic the movements. Like they went and studied the animations they did in the game to mimic those for the show. So again, mm. you're seeing people who really give a shit about the content they're trying to emulate and give it their 110% to bring it to life. Um, not to mention the prosthetics team. They also highlighted those guys and they sp said they spent a ton of time trying to make prosthetics like the, 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 the fungal growth that goes over the head and stuff like that to really capture it. Um, and I think Neil Druckmann said that he like cried the first time he saw the real thing in his hand because it's like, it's one thing to make a digital thing. It's a whole nother thing to hold it in your hands, right? Like, like it's a whole, like it's a whole nother sense of reality about it. And it, I was just like, damn, that's pretty fucking cool to like. Just to think about it, right? Like, The Last of Us, uh, the game. I don't even know when the first one was. Like 2010, 12, oh maybe? God. It came out 2013. So you're talking 10 years from inception. Uh, not even, like, really, it's like probably three or four years of development just for the game itself. So you're talking, you know, over 10 years of, of work on the game, plus the there's a sequel of the game, and then now he worked on this TV show, like, he spent a lot of his time and a lot of his life making this real um, or living it at least. And it's like, I don't know. I just think there, there's something really uh, moving to, to say about 
creating something that was once just an idea or a drawing on paper and then making that real and breathing life into it. It's like, damn, it's, I don't know. It's cool. (laughs) Yeah. hundred percent. And it's creepy to see. It's creepy to play it for sure. Very, very creepy to see. (laughs) Creepy to play it. But, um, yeah, that this, the suspense that they were able to bring up there, you know, when the, the clickers finally enter the room. And again, I don't know if we mentioned this, but they're called clickers because they make this like clicking sound. Um, yeah. So that's what they referred to when they'd say they, you know, haven't heard anything. Um, but that whole scene where it's like standing right in front of them and literally Ellie, I mean, just imagine, right? Put yourself in that position when everyone's like, don't make a sound, right? And the thing that could kill you is right in front of you. And you like it turns towards you and you can see it and you're trying to regulate your breathing but all she does is go and it hears that and it's like of course you're gonna be like oh fuck (laughs) i think is what the fuck is that you know and it's like that just sets off the whole you know chase and stuff which i was like yeah how would you not be able like how would you hold your breath in that situation you know or like the scene when joel is reloading his gun after they kind of get away from it and like Like, to me, I was just like, oh, no, he's going to drop the flashlight. Like, I'm like, he's going to drop the flashlight, and this thing's going to just come and get him. I'm like, you're being real ballsy right now, like, putting your flashlight under your chin. Like, there's got to be a better way to do this. <laughs> you know, I don't know. It just, I thought they played that super well. And then the, I think also, too, like, the way they ratchet the tes- tension, instead of just being like, oh, they get rid of the infected, and then it's all over. It's like they get rid of one, and then there's still one more that kind of comes out after the fact to and then it's like you get like then it's like oh okay now we're now we're safe again like i, I thought they really played the claustrophobic nature of it uh pretty well yeah it was, the whole thing was tense i agree with the flashlight bit that was i was definitely like oh shit man that's it and never quite i like it i like the way that they use the camera in that scene too because you've never quite seeing it and like you're not really tracking it you're more just tracking what joel can see and so it'll turn like you know over his right shoulder to the left you know like stage left a little and you'll see it and then it'll go back to what joel's working on and then joel look back over and it'll be right there and he'll be like okay and then it'll start walking the other direction and joel tries to track it but he doesn't have a good angle so you don't have a good angle and you kind of know it's over there but they're not letting you get in a comfortable position as the viewer, right? Mm-hmm. I don't, I'm no, I am no more allowed to see where everything is in this room than Joel is. And it totally works because I'm like, oh, fuck, it's literally like I'm watching this and I'm trying, I'm like doing this in my chair. I'm like, can we, fucking, can we move? <laughs> <laughs> like, I can't see it. <laughs> and it's like, that is perfect. That's exactly how you should feel because in that circumstance, it's not you're not David Fincher in this. It's not, you don't have a clean clinical view of everything that's occurring in the scene. It's something that should be uncomfortable. Yeah. That's a great point. That's a great point. And like that whole, that whole bit, I liked how, I liked how it ended too. I liked how they ended that scene. Like they, they have the interactions, they kill the clickers, they get out on the roof, Life is good. Then I'm thinking, like everybody else is watching this, someone got bit. Mm-hmm. We don't know, but somebody got bit. So, because of course that's how that goes, because this is 
like a zombie movie. That's always how they say stuff. <laughs> and then Ellie is like, oh, shit, because she got bit. And then she makes the comment like, well, better me than, you know, if, if anyone was going to get bit, it's good that I did, right? And I relaxed. Like, I went, oh, okay, well, there's the person that got bit. We're good. We're good to go. Don't have to think about it anymore. Wah, wah. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. It was um, it was funny because when they they leave the museum, and Tess and Joel have their moment, like, which this part was funny when Elle just like crosses a little wooden plank, and Joel's like, "Be careful." She's like, "No, no, no, this is not scary. That was scary. <laughs> this is just this is just a plank." <laughs> I'm like, dude, so dude like, that was like, I'm like, oh, that's an Ellie comment, <laughs> right? But honestly, though, if you just went through that, like, that would be the least of your concern. You know also, like, did, like... you, did you catch that, though? Joel's thawing. He's he's starting oh, to care. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I didn't. Uh, I, I didn't just caught that. that right now. When you yeah. said that, I was like, oh, my God, there it is. He has a soul. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. That's interesting. I wonder if it's like in his head, he's like, well, I only care as much as that. This is like the merchandise or whatever, the thing I have to deliver the package, but not like a person. Um, that's interesting. Yeah, that was a good thing you caught on. Um, but that little dialogue exchange Joel and Tess have right there, um, where it's like Joel being the pessimist again, right? Let's just go back. This is over. He just he keeps returning to that. And Tess finally like kind of snaps. And she's like, can you just like say, like be happy for once, whatever that exact word she used. Um, but she's kind of like, bro, you're such a pessimist, dog. Like. Let's just get through it. Like, we're still here. It could be worse. And at that point, I was like, damn, did she get bit? Because I was like, she finally snapped. Like, she finally was like the hope that we kind of were talking on this whole time came out, like, but angry. Like, bro, shut up. Like, we're, we're doing something good. We made it. Can you just be happy we're here? And and she's like, I want this to be a redemption arc, right? Because, like they, like, they don't ever say exactly what it is they did. But clearly, they did a lot of shitty things to survive in this apocalyptic world, right? And it's like, I mean, it kind of makes sense, right? Like, if you imagine in a world where everything goes sideways, the best among you are the people who are going to go first. Like, I mean, let's be honest. Like, that sucks to say, but it's very true. Um, at least in the most in most cases. Um, and it's like, Tess is kind of seeing this as like, we can do one good thing that might set up humanity for the future. Like, there's nobody else out here. It's like, we're the ones that are responsible for this hope effectively like and it's like that's like a heavy burden but also like damn like can you imagine being like the the, the shepherds of that <laughs> it's kind of wild yeah yeah and like he's not trying to look at it like that you know no, not even close yeah um, every time he was getting super pessimistic there's a certain point where i was just like do you have something fucking better to do <laughs> really man <laughs> really <laughs> Do I have an adventure, dude? Right. <laughs> Joe, he's got to go get back to his whiskey bottle and Xanax or whatever the hell he's taking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, hold on. Speaking of bringing food with, oh, at wait, the beginning the of this episode, when they're eating, they're like, oh, we got to eat. And they, Joel and Tess are eating this, like, super dry jerky. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like the oldest jerky ever. And Ellie brings out a freaking, like, Chick-fil-A sandwich. <laughs> She's, like, munching away. I was like, yo, that's mad hilarious. 
because <laughs> I know they're looking at her like, what the fuck? Tessie's even like, is that, is that chicken? <laughs> I'm like, dude, just, it's like the mundane things, right? Like, because this, like, that shows how far the world has fallen. Like, they're excited over a goddamn chicken sandwich. Dude, I, I wish, <laughs> I wish they would have given her a lunchbox. That would have been fucking hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> and there, can you imagine, like, a little kid? Lunchbox, you know, Power yeah. Rangers or something. <laughs> Just <laughs> totally, what an absurd thing to have in that context. Oh, uh, it'd be so funny. Dude. There's so God many little hilarious. details. I know I registered these things, but I'm like, oh, damn, you're right. But they like went out of their way to like add these things that just add texture. Yeah. It just feels alive or full, mm -hmm. maybe is a better word. It feels. Mm -hmm. You know, multi-dimensional. It's not flat. You know, you're just like, oh, here's the story. Here's the stakes. There you go. Yeah. It's like, well, it was like that scene, like right after they crossed that bridge, and like Ellie's standing there, and then Joel's standing there. It's like the sun's going down, and they you just like have this sweeping view of the city. It's like, oh my god, like it's like this weird, like it's almost like serenity. Like you're kind of like super calm, but you're also like, damn, like the stakes are so high. But look at how like beautiful this looks in some sense. It's like. And nobody else gets to see this because everyone's so afraid to go out into the city just because of the infected. It's just, I don't know, it's just like this weird, like, feeling of, like, what was lost or what we're losing in spite of still, like, in spite of surviving, I guess. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And which, <laughs> it's like whenever you get a second to kind of appreciate it, I feel like they're really nailing the beats, right? Because like Joe said earlier, and like you just said, you have that moment to kind of like take it in, which is nice and I think necessary. So you don't feel too like it's not too much story. You know what I mean? Where it's like you just feel nailed down by the story. Like you have a moment to like appreciate all the work, all these artists and technicians put into making, you know, this world look like what it looks like. Um, but the second you take that moment is when, you know, it snaps you back to the story and you realize the people that they were there to deliver Ellie to are dead or not there or whatever happened, right? Um, yeah, it's really not clear how they, like, why they died or something. Like, all you see is this bunch of dead bodies. Yeah. <laughs> Which is like... Yeah, I think Joel, I think it's a quick dialogue thing. I think Joel's like, oh, someone turned and then they started shooting each other and then everyone died. It was, like, really quick. Um, uh, okay and it's so because they panicked because someone was infected they mm. just like said well we're all infected we're all screwed <laughs> yeah yeah um but it was quick and i i think that was different from the game but it was really similar i remember the scene almost i feel like the way they walked up to that truck i feel like it was almost like like shot for shot the same i might be wrong but i, I was like oh this is familiar um but yeah that scene where it's just like fuck man now what and again joel's pessimism let's just go why are we doing this? <laughs> it's not our problem. Um, and then finally we see Tess like, well, this is why. <laughs> she like shows her, or I think Ellie might even call it out beforehand, if I remember right. But um, you get the the reveal that she was finally bit. Hmm. And, uh, and I like that Ellie's the one that picked up on it. And she was just like sharp and was like, oh, fuck, you've been bit. It was like, oh. you seem too hopeful. 
<laughs> you must be dying. <laughs> Something must have happened for you to be so clear about this now. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was done really well. And then, like, th I think right after that happens, one of the soldiers or the fireflies that was in there starts, like, turning and, like, waking up. But he's, like, sitting on a pile, like, on grass or, like, um, like dirt that had been either from the ceiling or something like that. And so Joel just walks up to this thing and just immediately shoots it in the head. Um, and then immediately you hear like a whole bunch of like a horde wake up because of that. And they kind of like show this really creepy scene of like the, 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 the fungus kind of coming in between the fingers of these like unawakened uh, infected. Mm -hmm. And you're like, Oh no, like yeah. it's so much more intense than just seeing like the wave of zombies. Like you've seen in other films and stuff. But, like, that, like, slow build of, like, oh, you know exactly what's coming now. Because they've done a good job up until this point kind of showing you how this works. At least to give you an intuitive sense of how it works. Like, you don't have to, like, get so in-depth in with it. But you're, you can put the pieces together for yourself to be like, oh, I get it. I get how this reality works. The only, the only problem I had with that scene was the fact that I didn't see him take a bunch of grenades and ammunition. Because there's no way in hell that I would be in that room and not be like, thank you very much. Take every gun you possibly can and as much right. as you possibly can. <laughs> That's a really it's good like point. Fucking actually. hand grenades. Okay. Thank you. Seems like a good thing to have in, when you're dealing in close quarters and you might have hordes of infected around. But yeah, I don't know. I haven't lived through a zombie apocalypse. So maybe I'm speaking out of my ass here. Don't wow, speak dude. too soon, man. <laughs> You never know, bro. Grow up, dude. 2030 is not far away. You never know. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, well, I mean, I guess good thing he didn't take all the grenades, right? Because Tess needed them. They ended up using them pretty well. Yeah. 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 I think that whole scene worked. I think that. When she admits it, it's good, and she convinces him, and you see him, he doesn't have to say a word. It wasn't a sentimental goodbye, right? It couldn't be. It couldn't be a hug and a, a kiss on the cheek and, I'll always remember you. No, it, it, that would be ridiculous. It has to be like, we're going and get out and run. That's it. Yeah. And let the explosion and everything happen. And the, and the whole, and they do a good job grossing you out. With the, the mouth uh, thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was grody. That was gross. Like, uh, I was curious, though. I was like, he, like, straight up made out with her. I was like, that was an interesting... Uh, when the dude, zombie... I'm talking about the infected, not Joel. Yeah. <laughs> when the infected came in. I was like, yo, he just laid it on her. I was like, what? That was interesting. <laughs> uh, dude, I was like... Dude, I was like, damn, dude, this zombie just macking at it right now. Yeah. I'm like, ugh. Yeah, he's it's like, like oh, he's got crazy thing effect. with... Right before that happens, he goes, Right. All right. Okay. Well, Joe, that's turning into a reel at some point. <laughs> For real. I was like, okay. I was like, was he like, oh, you're about to, you're about to turn. Let me get ahead of it. Hi, my name's Mike. <laughs> I was like, what? I was, that was the only part. I was like, that was an interesting shot. I wonder I wonder why it was so, it was like intimate. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, and gross. It was very, very gross. gross. Very gross. Um, 
but that lighter was pissing me off. Because like, <laughs> she like poured a whole bunch of oil for everyone, you know, listening. But she poured a whole bunch of oil and had this lighter. She was gonna blow the place up. She was sitting there flicking it for like a good thirty seconds, and I'm like, dude, you have the worst lighter ever. <laughs> Switch to. I was like, when does Spark still light it? I was like, oh yeah, yeah. I was like, just put yeah, it on you, the, like. You're actually you're probably right about that. You just get really close to the ground and be like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I mean, with the wick, all it's doing is is like gas. It's just like kerosene on the wick and then the spark lights the kerosene on the wick why not just go right to the source that's Whatever. a good point yeah <laughs> joe you gotta ratchet, it, joe. you gotta ratchet up the intensity die. okay joe the director <laughs> had know. to do something to make it emotional god you know yeah. you would know this wendell or if you had been a zombie apocalypse but for those of us with the experience we recognize that sometimes when you're about to die after being bitten by a zombie and you're surrounded by explosives and you're facing death itself uh, you don't think straight. You don't think to put the lighter down, you know? I mean, Joe, you do have, like, the Joel look going on, you know, the denim shirt. The only thing you're missing well, is, the, yeah. is the jacket. No, yeah. you wait. I came in from a zombie apocalypse. <laughs> uh, oh, I'm still wearing my uniform. <laughs> Nashville's going bananas right now. Oh, I also thought, too, like, after, right after that sequence, I think they really nailed the the, like, emotional climax of that, where they show... The outside of the, is it the state building? I think it's like a capital building or something. Something like oh, that, yeah. State house building. Um, so like they show this like, like wide angle shot of like the exterior of the building, and it's kind of again, it's one of those like beautiful like picturesque like almost looks like a painting effectively, and you're like, wow, look at how grandiose this architecture is. But then you know what's going on inside there, and then you're like just kind of waiting for it, and it kind of lingers for a couple of seconds longer than you expected to and then the explosion happens and you see kind of like the infected uh that were still in there kind of running out but they're on fire and stuff and you're like damn like it, it kind of really punctuates the the message that Tess left joel and then kind of like this is joel's like kick in the ass to like okay dude what are you gonna do now like she gave you her mission are you gonna like let her sacrifice be for nothing and the fact that he doesn't do that shows that he's not quite so cynical because a really cynical person would be like, all right, we're going home now. <laughs> She's dead. What the fuck is she going to know? <laughs> yeah, you're, you're right, dude. That's yeah. a good point. I didn't think about that. <laughs> right. And, uh, maybe because like, I didn't think about that because I know how the story ends, unfortunately. Yeah, it's fair. fair. <laughs> but I feel like he's a good person underneath it all. You know, he's just yeah. hardened by trauma. Um, but it's like he's not you know, ones that you pointed out earlier, it's like he has instances where he's like, be careful, be careful. And it's like, okay, so he does care. He's just, it's almost like he's been trying not to care for so long that he doesn't really have to try anymore. Yeah. But like his real character sneaks out every now and then, you know? Um, yeah, he's very guarded. But there's a heart somewhere under there. <laughs> <laughs> Underneath all the whiskey, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would love it if if it goes on and then the moment that he finally opens up, it turns into a musical number. Oh, dude. You know? Just, what, is da, this? Da, da, da. what is this, Joe? RRR? Where this, everything breaks into musical at, oh, the emotion, at the emotional high points? Could you imagine? The last of us made by the RRR guys. That would be hilarious. That would be amazing. It would be a masterpiece. Seriously. There's a sequel to that, by the way. Is there really? They're, yeah, they're making a sequel to RRR. I can't wait. 
Dope. But it ends well. The episode yeah. ends well. I, yeah. It couldn't, I don't think you could ask for a better ending. I mean, honestly, when I was watching this, I'm like, yep, this is total HBO, like super stylistically done uh, to capture the audience and leave people only wanting more. Um, I think you got a good taste of all the characters and kind of like how they're developing their characters. And uh, it kind of just ups the ante too, right? Like with, because we knew that it was going to turn into the Joel Ellie story, but it, it, to me it was like, how do we get there? Like that was what I was interested in. Um, mm -hmm. I, I was also kind of curious too that I was almost thinking maybe they were going to leave Tess alive for longer mm -hmm. and, and just kind of let her be like the third character in the story, which I think there's a way they could have worked, honestly. But um, I don't know, I'm, I'm cool with how they did it either way. Like it, it still really kind of heightens that emotional connection, I think, between the two characters and be like, well, we're the only ones we got left, right? <laughs> yeah. That's actually interesting you brought that up because uh, I think it was Alex who mentioned that. And she was like, oh, I'm kind of, I was curious if she was going to stay alive. And then we're kind of just talking about it. And she was like, but it almost wouldn't make sense because mm -hmm. then he could just like unload, like he wouldn't have to, there would be no growth, right? And it's hard to talk about this without, we know where it goes. <laughs> but um, like if she was there, he can kind of dump off that emotional component and be like, I can still stay an arm's length away. Um, so it's almost like to get to where we can assume it's going, it had to be just them two, right? And they foreshadow that in the scene before they get to the museum when Tess is like, I'm going to go look for whatever. And you get that oh, awkward point. moment where it's like, okay, this is going to come back. It's going to be a lot more of these awkward moments. Like, how do they, you know, what does that look like? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it. I'm blown away at, at this point. Um, I think they're doing a great job. And uh, I just wish the episodes were longer. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally second all that. Like, it's, it's just really fun to do this. And, uh, to kind of piggyback off of what you, Joe, you said earlier since we are winding down, I spent some time over the weekend trying to get my PS5 to stream. I don't know what the heck happened between a PS4 and PS5, but my capture card was not working. But I have a capture card in my PC. I bought some longer HDMI cords, so that is going to be my project for some, some time later this week is to try and get uh, streaming up and running on my PS5 to play through Last of Us Part 1 in this remastered edition. So. Stay tuned for that. Now that we have two episodes in the bank, but basically what I'll try to do is part one will be up until roughly the end of the first episode and part two will be roughly to the end of the, the second episode. And I'll just kind of try to do it in chunks. I obviously, I honestly don't think the game is only nine hours long. <laughs> so the odds of that even happening is probably like fool's errand, but we'll, we'll do that. <laughs> but either way, I, I think it'll be a fun companion for those people who don't have a PS5 or don't have the interest in actually playing the game, if you're interested in actually just kind of experiencing the game in some form, uh, I have no issues with doing that because I think it'll be fun for everybody involved to kind of be able to juxtapose it and just kind of follow along the journey to see how it how it plays out. And like, you know, it's kind of a fun experiment, right? Like we couldn't really do this before being like, what is it like to have a game and have a faithful adaptation of a game in cinematic form and be like okay what's different what works in respective formats or what's the same in respective formats and just like the care and attention that goes into doing it honestly you know 
I think it's a cool idea. Hell yeah. yeah. For sure. Cool beans. Would you stream that on YouTube? Or? Yeah, it'll be on YouTube because it'll, it'll just go fall underneath the Feeding Curiosity deal. Nice. So so for those of you, I'll have a link. I mean, this will be going on YouTube anyway. So if you're not subscribed, do that now. Um, shameless plug. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, I've, I mean, realistically, YouTube is becoming the the home of everything Feeding Curiosity with the website being for further deep dives. So website first or uh, YouTube first, website later, and then anything else, if you can fi- find us on the podcast platforms and stuff and things. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just, I'm so energized for this year right now. And starting the year with something like The Last of Us has been, it's like, damn, like hitting with all the gas in the world. <laughs> not not to be a pun considering how this episode ended oh jesus, <laughs> jesus. <laughs> oops well anyways we're just about to hit the hour anyone have any other thoughts or anything that we might have missed uh i think we pretty much covered everything we could have for this episode i'm is it nick offerman is the name of the actor he's the guy that's gonna be the next episode yeah i think oh, that's his name he- yeah he played um, Ron Burgundy, right? Ron Burgundy? No way. Yeah, that's, Ron Burgundy. Oh, dude, that's uh, going to be great. <laughs> yeah, Ron Burgundy was... Um, oh, is that Will Anchorman? Ferrell. That's Anchorman. You're right. That's not his yeah, name. Yeah. Ron, um, no, it's Ron Swanson. Ron Swanson. From, yeah. There yeah. you go. There you go. This will be good. I'm excited for that. Yeah. And also, just uh, one final note. I just pulled up the list of who was behind this. So, uh, Neil Druckmann actually directed this episode, too. And then Craig Mazin was the the writer on it. So... Druckmann decided to to take a seat in the director's chair for this one, and I think it shows, um, honestly, because this is a guy who knows the story in and out and knows what he wants to see uh, mm-hmm. from his characters and from the action. So, yeah. Well done. Round of applause to the team and everyone involved for this. <laughs> and anyways, we'll see everyone back uh, for episode three.